And then I kind of got to the point where I was like, okay, I'll make like the middle package of this, like 1500 bucks where you get, it's like a 30 to 60 minute interview. And then you get the full interview and then you get clips. And then I've been going out and, you know, trying to sell it as like a podcast and you get some pushback, but I've actually had a few people want it and they buy it because it's really custom tailored to them. And just as I've, I've been going through and getting feedback from the people that actually find it valuable versus those that get offended, I'm not charging enough. So I'm actually going to raise the, the prices on that probably somewhere around like three to $4,000, somewhere in that zone. Hello, you're listening to Podcast Growth Hacks, where I talk to podcasters of all experience levels to unpack the most powerful growth tactics they used to grow their podcast. I'm Pat Chung. And if you're a podcaster, well then subscribe so that together we can all learn and experiment with how to grow our own podcasts. So today we're chatting with Chris Hine, the host of the Chine On Podcast. He's also the host of the SWFL Business Podcast. He runs a podcast studio and a podcast production company. And to top it off, he's a musician. He's been podcasting since August 2021 with over 42 episodes under his belt for his Chine On Podcast and over 12 episodes for his SWFL Business Podcast, which he just started February of this year. I first met Chris at Podcast Movement 2021. We became quick friends, and I was actually the guest on his ninth episode. I want to have Chris on the show to learn from someone who works full-time in the podcast industry. Welcome to the show, Chris. How's it going? I'm doing great, man. Thanks for having me. Well, today we want to have you on the show to learn all the things you did to grow your podcast or both your podcasts. But before we dive into all that, let's start with some backstory about you uh, and your podcast. So you have two podcasts, right? Or maybe yep. even more. Uh, two for right now. It's probably the most that I can manage for my own personal podcast right now. But I have the Chine On podcast, which is personal one. And uh, I think you were one of two people at Podcast Movement that understood why it was called that the first time. I didn't really have to explain it. So I appreciate that. I think that's why we gelled right <laughs> off, the, off the bat. And then I have this... Uh, yeah, the SWFL, it's Southwest Florida Business Podcast. And so I'm actually using this as a way to interview local business owners here to create high quality video content for them. And I've actually turned it into uh, a service as well. So those are the two that I, I personally host. And we'll probably get into both of them today, or you could, you know, lean into one. Uh, but for those who don't know what China on is and why the name, describe that a little bit. Yeah. So uh, my name's Chris Hine and uh, my email address was C Hine. And so the last job, everybody called me Chine. So it just kind of stuck. And then when I was trying to think of names for the podcast, I was like, oh, you know what? I'll call it this. Nobody will have any idea what I'm talking about, but I like it. And uh, <laughs> yeah, so. So your SWFL or Southwest Florida podcast is where you talk to local business owners and that podcast feeds into your own business, right? Describe that a little bit. Yeah, sure. So I do uh, podcast production for businesses. Mm -hmm. So I started this off. Um, I had one, one client and then that actually ended up falling through. So I left my job, I set up all this infrastructure and that deal fell through, but I had, I had done probably about 15, 20 episodes of my own personal podcast, hmm. uh, before it fell through. So I actually- Which is China on or something else? Yep. Exactly. Oh, got it. Okay. China on. So I got to, I got to run through all of that and, uh, I basically got to mess up everything on my own <laughs> podcast. Okay. And then by doing that, I, I really started to understand how the audio works, how the flow of the conversation works, how the video works, how to tie it all in. And then by doing that too, I figured out how, you know, distributing this stuff on social media works and, and things mm. like that. And, and, and really that's, that's what I'm offering to businesses now is to make it easy for them to just come in, sit down and talk and then leave. 
and I take care of all the other things that they don't want to deal with, like learning sounds, <laughs> engineering and mixing and distribution, just make it a turnkey thing to be able to sit down and leave and be done. And then one thing I noticed as I was trying to explain to people that I do podcast production, I would get, always get the questions of like, oh, so how, uh, how, you know, how's your podcast going on? I'm like, oh, no, 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 it's, I have a personal podcast, but this is a different service. And I just would stumble over my words. They would ask that question. Like, do you charge to be on your podcast? And I was like, no, of course not. Like, I wouldn't want to ruin my podcast. And then after I got the question enough times, I'm like, why don't I start a podcast where I charge people to be on the podcast? And it's, it's geared towards the people I'm trying to sell this stuff to. So um, that's kind of how that podcast came to be. Totally makes sense. It sounds like you started China on just to experiment yourself. In fact, I think I remember at the conference, you were just launching yours too. So that was just as an experiment then. Is that why you named it after yourself? Yeah, I just wanted to have something something cool. And yeah, it was, it was funny enough because the week before podcast movement, I started recording some of this stuff. My buddy, Matt, who's the co-host with me, was like, Hey dude, if you want to do a podcast production company, why don't we do a podcast? It's like, okay. And then I'm on uh, I think I got a Buzzsprout email newsletter or something. It's like mm -hmm. going to podcast movement. And it's like, what is this? And I don't know, four days later, I was in Nashville and I got to meet you and met Sierra and then all these other people podcasting and it just expanded from there. So yeah, we, we both kind of got to launch right around the same time. Pod Inbox, I got in on the early pricing. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Which we will probably never do again. Which, but thank uh, you for that. No, I appreciate right the place, support. Right place, right time. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Yeah, I love how you launched China on as an experiment. And I mean, it sounds like at that time you still had your full-time job, but you kind of had a notion you're going to start a studio and kind of this whole business around podcasting too. No, you're assuming that I would do things in a smart way. I mean, no, that's, it, it, I got a contract and I left my job and then the contract wow. fell through and I was like, shit. Well, I guess I got to figure it out. So, <laughs> okay. So I will that I would do the smart thing. Let's dive into that a little. That's super interesting. So even having some amount of episodes under your belt as kind of a new podcaster, right? You said you probably had like a dozen China on episodes and then someone already thought, Hey, let's hire Chris to do ours. Was it a small business type of a client too? Yeah. Well, and it actually came, it came before because I was learning music production. Somebody asked me if I could produce a podcast for them and I said, sure. And then it fell through, <laughs> but I had all this equipment. I had learned all this stuff okay. already. And then I started shine on. And then shortly after that, I got my first customer because I was doing this stuff. And mm -hmm. you're like, could you produce one for me? Yeah. Yes. yes Do you please? mind going uh, into that? You don't have to say the name of the vendor or whatever, but I'm totally intrigued because it seems like one client was compelling enough to get you to kind of quit your job. So even just the numbers around that, that is kind of interesting. Like, was it a small like retail business around town or was it like a big law firm or? So the one that made me leave my job, it was for a, it was like a small business. Um, they did a, they did like a bunch of stuff, but it was like a big contract. I was like, oh, this is awesome. Like that can really build a business around this. And then it fell through. And then as I did, what did this, it involve? Like the contract, was it like, it was, like soup to nuts production of like getting guests and all that stuff? Or was it just yeah. editing or? Yeah, everything. So basically, and, and, and what I kind of explain podcasts are now, how you can use them, but almost like they were looking to create their own like internal online news network, like a, basically a, oh, a wow. news network that they owned. Um, so that's oh, so it would be multi-show. Uh, yeah, it would end up being multi-show, but it was I was I was building a website, I was doing all these things, and so it was really it was like it was everything, and so 
that ended up falling through. But then my brother actually, he is in the aviation space. We were both at the software company in aviation. Mm-hmm. And he's like, you know what? Actually, I could use this to connect with people. And so he's still doing it now. He's been doing it for about five, six months, and he's at 26 episodes. But he's oh, been he's, able he, to- he launched his own podcast. Yeah. Yeah. It's called All the right, Aviation okay. Growth Podcast. Mm-hmm. And uh, he's been able to use it to talk to CEOs, chief marketing officers, uh, VPs, like all these different people that are high up in these companies in aviation. They all want to be on this podcast. It's really cool to watch. And then he turns it into marketing. It's, yeah, it's really awesome. That's cool. And so he's like one of your clients now, I think. Yes. Oh, got it. So just to recap a little bit. So you quit your job. Uh, You lost the client that was going to pay for all this work and this kind of new business. So it sounded like you had to pivot and you mentioned um, something I didn't know. So you said the SWFL podcast was created because people wanted to pay to be a guest. They kept, they kept asking me if I charged to be on the show and I'm like, I don't know. I, I have like two halves of my brain. Like one side is very like business side where mm-hmm. I'm like kind of cut and dry. And then the other side is like, oh, it's got to be so pure and all this stuff. Like I would never <laughs> charge to be on a podcast. Then it's just like, you know, it, mm-hmm. you know, it changes the dynamic. And, and now by splitting that out, I really can kind of keep the, the quote purity of my own podcast. So it's just creative and I'm not like bound by you know, not wanting to offend anybody or anything. And then I have the business side where I actually, I make it my own, but I, I tailor that to the the guests and the business and really dive into the value they bring their customers because one, I get to meet all these people. It opens up opportunities for me. And then I get to create content for them that they use in their marketing and their sales efforts. So mm-hmm. um, that I, I I wanted to do something where, I could charge to be on the show, but I wanted to do something where I could offer more value than just saying, Hey, you have to pay to be on my show because I don't know, it's a little douchey to me. So for me to be willing to like charge people to be on it, I wanted to make sure that I'm going to give them a ton of value, not just, you know, Oh, you have access to my audience now. It's like, Oh no, here, take this. And like, Use it in sales, use it in your newsletter, put it on your YouTube, use it on right. social media. So oh, really- that's interesting. So you kind of, it's almost like you're creating like a little media kit for them because a lot of them have not been on a podcast before. And there's mm-hmm. some, yeah, there's some cachet to being on one. And you're kind of like the first one they're on. Yeah. And I try to make it as good of an experience for them as possible because not, not everybody's comfortable being on camera being interviewed. I have the studio here and we've got all the lights and the multiple cameras. Right. It's, it can be intimidating, but yeah. you know, kind of like what you did at the beginning of this, like I'm, we know each other. I mean, we've known each other for like eight months now or however long it is almost mm-hmm. a year. Damn. Yeah, that's good. Um, so, but like, even before we started, you just kind of like, you got me warmed up. Like you helped me feel comfortable getting ready to jump on the, the show and it's just and now it's like flowing and mm-hmm. i can do the same thing for them so that way they're comfortable in what is maybe their first ever video interview you know that's a really good this is the first time i've heard of this um kind of model i'd I love to dive into it i don't know if this is the growth sure. hack that you're gonna dive into but i'd love to get into this a little bit swfl how much are you charging for i guess it's not really to be on the podcast but how do you position that is it to kind of give them these marketing assets or what are you selling there it's it's been tricky to sell it because uh a couple pieces of it are you have a couple things in play right people think of podcast as audio only um video isn't inherently something they think about also people don't really think about being charged to be on a podcast. Mm -hmm. And a lot of people don't necessarily think about using a podcast as a marketing sales recruitment Mm -hmm. content tool. They kind of, kind of know, but they kind of don't. So it's been actually, uh, it's been an interesting process and, Mm -hmm. uh, pissing a couple people off along the way, but I think that's kind of any business, (laughs) but I started it out where it was 
um, doing it for free for a handful of people so I could build out the concept. Mm -hmm. And then I kind of got to the point where I was like, okay, I'll make like the middle package of this, like 1500 bucks where you get, Mm -hmm. it's like a 30 to 60 minute interview. And then you get the full interview and then you get clips. And then I've been going out and, you know, trying to sell it as like a podcast and you get some pushback, but I've actually had a few people want it and they buy it because it's really custom tailored to them. Mm-hmm. And just as I've, I've been going through and getting feedback from the people that actually find it valuable versus those that get offended, I'm not charging enough. So I'm actually mm-hmm. going to raise the, the prices on that probably somewhere around like three to $4,000, somewhere in that zone. I yeah. know it sounds high because it sounds high to me too. And I'm, <laughs> in, in a lot of ways, right. I'm like, nervous to ask for that right you know know, it's all the imposter syndrome and sure you know starting a business all that stuff but um yeah the people that find it valuable find it much more valuable than what i'm charging and so they're almost devaluing what i'm doing Mm, right um and so now moving forward i'll probably be around that price point and then yeah and so we can talk about this in a little bit but it doing this podcast and, and going this route has also opened up um, some other opportunities and other business ideas and paths forward that I wouldn't have seen if I didn't do this. Yeah, no, that's, um, yeah, and I'd love to dive into that, but I do want to unpack this a little bit more because it's super interesting. I've literally never heard of it. Um, and I love how it's super niche because it's, Southwest Florida, which I imagine it's kind of this smallish region in your neighborhood. What type of businesses want this? But first of all, let me validate a little bit that I think your numbers are, I know there's imposter syndrome, but if it has video, you're right. It's kind of like a little mini documentary for them. And if they're trying to like get any foothold as like a thought leader or, or as a business leader in that community, then having that little documentary, yeah, it costs a lot, right, <laughs> to produce uh, with yeah. good video. So do you have like, well, yeah, what are you offering? Like, do you do a lot of research into the interview? I take it you're the one interviewing them. Do you put a lot of time in the research? And do you have that whole multi-cam setup kind of, I'm kind of thinking like a, you know, Joe, Joe Rogan, Rogan type studio. Yeah, I, I, I modeled the whole studio after the Joe Rogan setup, so... Mm. Yep. Wow. And how, I mean, not to, I don't want to dive too much into equipment, but like, sure. do you have like a couple pieces of cameras and was that whole setup pretty tough to build? Uh, it, yeah. And that's why, so that's why I ended up making a, uh, I made a video on YouTube that explains how I set up like a multi-camera, uh, podcast production because before that it took me six months of just buying all the wrong stuff. <laughs> <Right>. and. <laughs> And you buy stuff that's like thousands of dollars and then you return it. So there's hundreds of dollars restocking fees. So, I mean, overall, I mean, there's probably like maybe $25,000 worth of equipment in there. Wow. And yeah, sometimes when you have to return a bunch of stuff that doesn't work, you yeah. waste a lot of other money. But um, yeah, so that that's the that's like the setup. I wanted to make it as close to uh joe rogan experience as possible and make it as high quality as possible as i could because sometimes with podcast production it's a bit of a race to the bottom mm-hmm. um yeah. in terms of pricing so i wanted to i wanted to find two things that could get me out of that and i felt like local to southwest florida and super high quality would yeah. be two ways that i could avoid going really low pricing yeah and that actually makes a lot of sense because, um, yeah, to get that type of production quality, you do need, you know, probably pretty good equipment. Like you said, $25,000 worth. I have no idea what the ballpark is, but that sounds about right to me, just, you know, coming from a layperson. <laughs> and when you walk into some podcaster, like if, if a normal podcaster asked me to do this for $3,000 a month, I'd be like, hmm, um, they just don't have any confidence in it. But because you own a studio that people, it sounds like maybe people rent out. And if you're offering full service for that studio and like this, like fully all the assets that they own that IP for and all that stuff afterwards, 
Yeah, that sounds like a really interesting business model. I would love to have you on later to see see if you know how that that's going because it seems like that's still kind of ramping up right now. Yeah, yeah, dude, happy to happy to share <laughs> whatever. Yeah, and I'd love to share that. Uh, I'll get that YouTube link and I'll stick it in the show notes after the show because I think that would be super Into useful that. for anyone else thinking about it. I guess going back to, um, I mean, there's a lot to unpack actually uh, yeah, a, around the other things, but I, I do want to dive into, uh, I don't know if, did you have a growth hack that you had in mind coming on the show that you wanted to share or is it kind of around this topic that we're talking about right now? I'd say let's, Let's let it flow with this. And then if something like specific comes to mind, then I'll, okay. I'll share it on here. Okay. Yeah. yeah I, think... lot, I guess the, I guess the hack itself is just the overall approach is that there, there just is a bunch of ways to use podcast as a, like a way to grow your business and other things. Yeah. Yeah. I feel like I like your multi-prong approach where like, um, you know, it feels like when I look at you from the outside, it seems like you have like a little bit of a monopoly around like various aspects of podcasting. Uh, do you like, actually, I maybe assumed earlier, do you rent out your studio as well? Is that also another source of income? Uh, I'm going to start doing that. I, I tried to uh, a while ago, like six months ago, um, but I ended up getting a lot of people that wanted a, a lot of rental time for like almost no money. And so, you know, I'll probably end up changing that to like a half day and full day rental right. and make it more geared towards businesses. Cause there's actually a couple uh podcast studios that are in this area in Southwest Florida that you can rent and they're, it's pretty much audio only, but they're a reasonable price and they're good equipment. Like there's right. one down in Naples. And so like, if somebody isn't in the range, like I send them there cause I'm like, this it's good. Don't. Mm don't like overcomplicate it. Like they have good stuff. So right. um, that's a but, long answer to a short question. <laughs> no, that's a, that's a medium uh, length answer. Cause even I was thinking, you know, you know, just to riff on this a little bit, it, I've always wondered about that rental market. Like, is it worth it? Like renting, I don't know what studios cost, like 150 bucks an hour or something like that. Is that about right? I'm not sure. Like, I think some, some things they might do it cheaper. Some might do it more expensive. I feel mm -hmm. like a hundred to 150 is probably a reasonable amount, especially mm -hmm. if it's like a, a business. Right. So when I think of that and when I think, and then in comparison to what you just said, where if you just kind of, you know, uh, put full production on it and they just have to come in and record and you are prepped and everything. So let's lean into that a little bit. Have you had a lot of these clients yet? And Not a ton because pretty much it's started this off. There's only been a handful of people that like got it right off the bat. Right. Like, oh, I see the value in this. I get to talk to the CEOs and presidents and VPs and stuff. And mm -hmm. by having a conversation for an hour and then following up and putting this content out, now I get like a X amount of thousand dollar proposal or contract sent my way, like, mm -hmm. I got it, man. This is, this is perfect. So <laughs> right. but other than that, it's, it's kind of, it's been hard to convey that. So that's why I, I pivoted to this business podcast. Cause now I get to interview people. They get to come in, see the space, see the end product, see what it does. Yeah. Then I go like, Hey, you know how we're talking right now? Like mm -hmm. we're having this conversation as a business and you might want to produce podcasts. They're like, yes. I'm like, that's what you can do as well. Like you right. can do this with your clients. And they're like, okay, we right. need to then they get the Let's yeah, aha moment. <laughs> so it's like you first try to sell them on just even paying to be on your podcast, which they might or might not do. And once you get a taste of that, it seems like they might actually be like a longer term client with a retainer of like you maybe helping them produce their podcast. Is that kind of how it works? Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Whatever capacity that ends up being, if they want to do it in house and have me edit it, or if right. they want to come here and just not deal with anything, right. that's cool too. That's cool. Yeah. It, it, the SWFL podcast is super interesting because it's like it could either act as a free lead magnet for all these other things you could potentially do with them as clients. 
or that could be the product itself. And it's, and it's my marketing too. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, that, that's super cool. So for people who you try to sell like that guest spot to, uh, and let's say they pay like two to $3,000 and they get this high production quality thing that they could kind of showcase. How much research do you have to put into each episode? So the ideal companies are businesses that are trying to like explain something uh, and they want to do it in a way that's like authentic, but professional quality. Mm -hmm. And maybe they have like an event, like they're, they just bought a new huge piece of manufacturing equipment and they want to highlight the jobs that that's going to create, or they just completed a, a huge construction project or something, something like that, whatever it might be. But it gives them a chance to like highlight the company culture and what they stand for. But the research phase is is actually so I almost do the research phase as my sales prospecting piece because mm -hmm. I go out, I find like I go on LinkedIn, find out what what events maybe have happened with the business and say, Hey, I saw your article in Gulf Shore Life or I saw your article uh on this thing. Uh it's very interesting. I want I have a podcast and I wanted to possibly talk to you about it, whatever I end up saying, it's usually smoother than that. But uh, <laughs> So then I talk to them and then I say, Hey, this is a, this is a paid service. Is that okay? So that way there's, it's not like a surprise. Gotcha. Mm -hmm. and, yeah. You and tell them right it, off the bat. That's cool. Yeah. And if they say yes, then we go through and really the way that I like to host this podcast, because it's a business podcast, you, you want to, you do want to highlight their best aspects. So I like going through and really finding out what they're doing in their business, what they're trying to achieve, whether it's growing sales, whether it's, you know, recruiting employees, whatever that might be. And then also find out what's, what's important to them. What do they want to touch on, on a platform like this? Mm -hmm. And like you asked for their a, talking points. Exactly. Um, yeah. Um, have a quick 15 minute intro call where I can learn all of this stuff directly from them and it, mm -hmm. it takes a lot of guesswork out and it takes a lot of research time out mm -hmm. um i just make as much notes as i can about that and then i don't know probably five minutes before i should get better at this but probably mm -hmm. about five minutes before i'll come up with like a list of questions i'll say hey i want to ask you about these 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 what do you also want to talk about mm -hmm. when they're sitting there in the chair they tell me what other stuff add that to the list and then i'm probably sitting there with five to seven bullet points and we just go through it. And I really try to pull out of them what, you know, what the real value is that they bring to mm -hmm. their customers. Cause at mm -hmm. the end of the day, that's what they want mm -hmm. to convey. Mm -hmm. And you, you, you get to have some really interesting conversations <laughs> with like really smart and capable people when you do that. So far, I haven't encountered any like frauds or phonies or anything, which is nice. And I don't know what I'm going to do the day that I do encounter like a fraud and I'm sitting there like, right. Oh my God, you're really, <laughs> right. You just have to, yeah. Pretend you're recording it and uh, press stop. <laughs> uh, good. The camera didn't work. The audio is not I'll text you next year. It's interesting. So do the clients who come in for this paid type of guesting here, I've actually seen that model before when the audience is very big. I don't know if it's, yeah. uh, if it's totally, uh, publicly known, but I'll just say, it. I think John Lee Dumas, super famous podcaster. I heard, you know, he charges guests to be on the show, like a lot of money too. Um, you know, some would say, you know, that's ethically interesting, <laughs> but some would say that's very savvy. Right. And I don't know what side of the fence I I've. It falls on. I think, you know, as long as the audience knows that this is kind of like a paid promotion, it kind of works. But he's known to charge these types of dollars because his audience is huge, right? It's, so, it's a huge. That's a huge. After building this stuff, I realized like that is a huge value for somebody to get exposure. And it's like, if you see, if you personally see the value in that and paying to be a guest on the show for that audience, that's the decision you have to make as a, a guest. So right, yeah, I, yeah, that's where I, I'm at. And, but with my personal podcast, I'm also like, 
I would never charge anybody. <laughs> yeah, it's funny because I don't think I have any qualms with it from JLD receiving money or the guests giving money. I think that's all fine. I think where it gets a little gray is the audience not understanding what they're listening to. Like, is this a big commercial? Or is it something that's just like, you know, it's just very organic and it's part of the content. I think, you know, as in terms of how affiliates go and endorsements go, I think there's like more laws created around like, oh, if you're, if this is an affiliate link, you have to, you have to say it's an affiliate link. So I think that's where it gets a little bit muddy. But what I was kind of getting at with this question is, um, you know, JLD is uh, John Lee Dumas, for people who don't know, he's a host of Entrepreneurs on Fire. And, um, he has a large audience. So the, the people paying to sit as a guest on a show is actually paying to reach his audience, which mm -hmm. to your point, it's like totally their prerogative to do. It might be actually a smart business decision, but your guests, like how big are your numbers? Like, do they care about your audience or do they just kind of care about having that final output that they could embed on their website and kind of showcase uh, to their clients or whatnot? Like, what, what are they paying for? Are they paying for access to your guests or really more for the assets? It's the assets. And I'm, I'm super upfront with them with the size of the audience. It's not a big audience at all right now. It's mm -hmm. under a hundred people per episode. Mm -hmm. Um, so, and I make that super clear. I'm like, look, you're, you're not paying to get on here to reach my audience because I'm so important and I have such a big following. It's like, no, I'm, I'm here to, I'm here to have a very as interesting conversation as I possibly can, because I find whatever they're doing interesting. And mm -hmm. even if on the surface, it's not, I still enjoy finding that stuff and bringing out of them. And it's almost always ends up cooler than you th would think that right. like a glass manufacturing well it was really cool conversation but um so that's what they're paying for is the content and so what I, so maybe a growth hack that i can share that i am planning on doing as i get more of these contracts in so for the first like handful of contracts that come in i'm planning on taking that money um my guess is it's probably going to be like the first $10,000 ish that comes from this and start putting that into Facebook ads and mm -hmm. Instagram ads and LinkedIn ads to start growing the show. So what I want to do is take that money, put it into these advertisements, start building the analytics on that, which I'm still learning and I'm going to get some mm -hmm. help from somebody, but find the lookalike audiences and all, all these things that come with advertising, but you need to spend a decent chunk of money to get to that point. Right. Right. So I want to run my own advertising, get that data. And then what I plan to do to even further grow the show is then go out to local companies that are here that advertise like crazy companies that have like uh, billboards up. There's a company around here called storm smart and they even have, their ads on gas station TVs. So I'm like, all right, they're, they have no shortage of a marketing budget, mm -hmm. right? So my thought is if I can get a company like that to sponsor the show for like $25,000 for six months or something, mm -hmm. I don't take any of that money to pay me. I take the entire chunk and put it all in advertising, but their name is right at the beginning of the podcast. So it benefits them that way. And then use basically another company to grow my show with advertising. So maybe I can get from sub 100 to somewhere around 10,000. Right. Um, and I actually got this idea from uh, Tanner Campbell. Yeah. Yeah. Tanner is a big uh, ad guy. In fact, I'm going to uh, be doing a panel with him at upcoming PodFest. Oh, yeah, nice. So if you're going to go, yeah, you'll, you'll see him uh, on stage. Um, I love uh, advertising. Even, I think in your realm, even if there's no direct ROI to, to actually getting listeners, I think it's an interesting signal to the local companies that, oh, wow, I see this SWFL business podcast everywhere in my radar. I should probably be on it. Like, yeah. even if it doesn't increase your reach, I feel like, you know, what, what do you think about that? Is there any well, sense of that? That's the, that's the, the flip side of it, of what I'm hoping happens. And so kind of what I'm 
the uh the longer term goal with this is to remove like the requirement to buy content and then shift it to like a optional piece so that way i can invite people on i can interview them and if they want the content afterwards they can buy it and that's fine that's additional revenue for me for that part of my business mm -hmm. then supplant the like base cost with ad revenue so that way no matter what i do if i'm doing a podcast episode i can get paid i can have revenue coming in and and then if they want to buy it great the reason why i'm not doing that now is because i need i need cash flow i need this stuff yeah. to actually basically be fuel for this fire so ultimately i'll i'll shift it mm -hmm. uh that way if there's like a really small company and i'm like dude i want to mm -hmm. interview you guys this is the stuff you're doing is awesome but they're like mm -hmm. we have 13 dollars that we can spend like mm -hmm. all right we'll just come on the show anyway and and that's fine. So that that's what I want to do. And by doing that, people share it and other businesses see it. They'll want to get yeah. the content. And I'm launching some other services too that will yeah. be similar to this, but a little bit more uh, bigger scale and, mm. you know, less uh, of my podcast, more about them. Sure. Have you ever thought, um, for SWFL again, uh, have you ever thought of maybe being a sponsor like instead of sort of the big app platforms like you said the facebooks and and the googles um of the world how about sponsoring sort of the local business chamber type events and things like that because i feel like if like because i'm kind of drawing a comparison to the hyper niche local business podcast to have you heard of these business journals that's in every city like every city um, has like, like a business journal that, yeah. um, it's almost, it's like a newsletter, it's a website and they usually charge people to read their articles and stuff like that. It seems like every business owner thinks they want to be featured in the business journal. Mm -hmm. There's sometimes not even any rhyme or reason about it. Like they've approached me before and I'm like, you know, I, I'm maybe a little too logical sometimes like, you know, how many readers do you have? <laughs> like, is this yeah. worth my time or whatever? And, but I think for the majority of businesses, they, it's just like kind of checking this thing off the list that, yeah, they've been featured on the local business journal. Like, is there parallels like that with yours where they're like, you know what, we have to get on this SWFL podcast. Like, how, you know, and then they ask their team, like, how much does this cost? <laughs> you know, it's just like part yeah. of the thing they check off the list. Yeah. But it seems like to do that, you have to have some cachet around the local business community. So have you thought of like maybe, maybe sponsoring these events? And do you think there's ROI around that? I don't know about sponsoring the events, but, uh, one thing that I've been doing is actually getting more involved with these different networking groups that are in the area. So mm -hmm. I try to at least go to, I go to one every Thursday morning. That's about an hour. There's like 12 people in there. Um, and I just joined one that's down in Naples and they do like a lunch every Wednesday. Mm -hmm. And um, it's like 40 something business owners that are in that group. And so part of that networking group is each person every week has to share um, at least one, like refer at least one other person in the group right. to somebody somewhere. And then everybody actually has to say that in the, yeah. <laughs> the like lunch meeting. So I have, uh, I started joining those and I think that that works better for me um, because it's just, it's easier to talk to people about this yeah. stuff and make the connections. And then when they see my stuff on LinkedIn that I put out, they're like, yo, this is really cool. Like, yeah. what, what do you, what is this? Like, I just, yeah. I interviewed some guy on Monday night, Tuesday night, and then another guy just messaged me on Instagram. Hey, uh, you know, Matt told me he was on your show and, uh, you know, I do a lot of work with him. I think what you're doing is really interesting. Can you tell me about it? And just, yeah, it's, it's kind of crazy. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I'm glad you're not belittling these things. I say belittle because I feel like some people think these sort of local business, you know, chamber of commerce type events are like a little old school 
But I think for these types of services, it's a huge unlock because so much of local business relationships is based off of word of mouth that I feel like it's just like compounding interest, right? <laughs> Where the moment your name gets spread around by these little groups, just over the course of even a couple months or half a year, you'll be surprised how many people start talking about you in like local business circles. A lot of people hate me. It's crazy. <laughs> Do they really? I can't tell you're kidding. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Yeah, I guess it could spread in a bad way fast too, <laughs> if you're not a good person. Uh, but there's a, apparently there's somebody near here that does them and then they use it as a way to like try to get people on their mailing list or on their newsletter and i think it rubs people the wrong way and that's why what do they do they they basically like interview people and then try to get them on uh like a mailing list and there's nothing inherently wrong about it but i know i've like literally heard 50 people that were talking to somebody else in the same room that i'm in about the other person like yeah just i don't know it was like weird it just rubs people the wrong way and that's why i try to be really upfront with people right charging for this are you right. okay with that like, right you're 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 referring to when you go to these like local network events you can't act too salesy right that's just you can't act too salesy but you also can't pretend like you're not selling something and then <laughs> right. try to sell it that i see worse for people oh interesting i see it's just like be upfront. exactly these are my services and come talk to me you know if you need them yeah no, that's cool. I love that. Um, no, I love I had local. a question, but I didn't answer it. I don't know what I started talking about. <laughs> no, that was the question around these local network events or maybe even a comment that, you know, I like that you do that because in my opinion, we're going to see a bigger trend towards like hyper local podcasts as you're probably seeing already. Like I feel like every real estate agent in my area is starting to think, oh, how do I create a hyper local podcast? Because if they hear my voice, they're going to trust me. If they trust me, they're going to call me when they need a house, so on and so forth. So in these hyper local situations, you kind of see it in every industry. And I think learning that game is a lot different than learning the I'm a national podcaster for everyone game. It's totally different, yeah. uh, in my opinion. So I, I like that you're going into your local meetups with different business owners and stuff and kind of telling them who you are and just keep showing up. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. Are there, I, I don't know if we really went down a growth hack per se, but I, I think we talked about so much around getting a guest to pay for uh, a guest spot. I think that's super interesting. Is there something that you wanted to share? And if there's not much else, that's fine too. I would say for, I'll use it in my context because kind of what I'm doing, what I'm doing with the podcast is a little bit different than what most people do, but it's really, it's fundamentally not that different. I'm just trying to, I'm trying to find a way to charge and then deliver value from that. But I would say that treating each of the guests like they were customers because in my case they are, but even when they were free before I started charging for some of the stuff, making it easy for them to take that content, making it easy for them to access it in Dropbox and download it and give them some guidance on how to actually share it and put it out because when they do, their audience sees it and Almost, I would say probably every person that I've interviewed ha by treating it that way, ha it has led to somebody else wanting to be interviewed. And from starting that communication, they get interested, they're sharing it. I'm mm. sharing their stuff. They're pumped about it. So they're going to share it over and over and mm. over again because, I'm, you know, you're creating this relationship. Um, that That has been a big piece and just you know, posting on social media and interacting with people. Um, you know, you can ask people when they follow you, I say, Hey, thanks for following little hand wave. How did you hear about us? And all of this stuff is basically the, the best way that I've found to grow this and really to grow my business is by just trying to interact with people and mm -hmm. see what kind of opportunities open up. Like over here to my right, he's going to start laughing, but, uh, he, I have an intern. His name is Sean. And the way that I, I got an intern is because his dad came on the show. I, hmm. I interviewed him uh, for about an hour. And then he's like, hey, 
do you need an intern? And I said, I don't know. Do I need an intern? And he said, my son's <laughs> learning video production at UF, uh, University of Florida. And if you need one, you've got one. So here he is. And then the same guy, he had a like a mastermind network thing last week. And I got to sit in a room for two days with business owners from around mm. the country and ultimately let them uh, tear apart my current business model and <laughs> you see that, you know, Hey, you're not charging enough. You're not doing this. You should do this, try this and this and this. Mm-hmm. And I mean, by doing that, it's, it's opened up a new opportunity that I could be like a huge business, like that just came out of people talking in a room. Yeah. Like, God. So sorry, again, not a growth hack, but it's more, I guess more of a, a mindset thing is shift the way that you look at it. If you are doing this for a business purpose or you're trying to do this to grow your business, try to see that everything is connected and there are plenty of paths. doesn't mean that you're, I have so many days where I'm like, why am I doing this? Like, what is the point of me doing this podcast? It's a huge waste of time, money, effort. And then all of a sudden, like somebody's like, Hey, I want to work with you. Like, Oh yeah. I knew this the whole time would work. Mm-hmm. You know, it was pretty- <laughs> yeah. And are you doing this full time right now? Mm-hmm. And what, uh, you, you don't have to get specific with the numbers, but what's the biggest source of revenue right now? Cause you have so many things going on. So right now it's the, it's, it's kind of tying right now at the podcast production and then the Southwest Florida business podcast, they're kind of tied. The business podcast is going to overtake that soon. And when you then, say the business podcast, that's the model around charging for the guests to come on. Yep. Got it. Yeah, exactly. And then, wow. and then the next thing is kind of like uh, an ex- extrapolation from that. It's mm-hmm. a fancy term. Um, but basically where I'm trying to make it super easy for business owners to create a ton of professional content. So we're going to, I'm, I'm prototyping it now, but doing something where I do like a three hour interview kind of thing it's all custom tailored to them so this isn't like a oh hey podcast it's like totally custom tailored and then i pull out uh, at least 52 clips from that interview mm-hmm. and then give them a full year of content oh, yeah. by cool. sitting down for three hours because no like most business owners are like content creation like what the hell am i right we're gonna dance like <laughs> that's how they, they look at it so just making it easy. And I think that can be a huge opportunity. So that's, that's kind of the, the hack is if you're going to do this for business, just keep an open mind of what the possibilities are and oh, shit just seems to fall into place, I guess. <laughs> right. I love it. Yeah. I like keeping an open mind. That's, that's a really good um, mental tip. So cool. Well, thanks for sharing your podcast. I think uh, we're kind of at time, but uh, I always like to wrap up with what I call our final five quick fire questions. So ready? (laughs) Yeah. So number one, do you collect listener emails? Yes, I just started. Yeah. How how do you do it? Um, I, I started a mailing list on Squarespace because a sales coach told me to create a personal newsletter. And I was like, that's a good idea. And so, you know, I'm sure that they probably knew I was going to put them on that newsletter, but, uh, right. <laughs> no, but I just, now I just put a little box on my thing and then I'll ask people, okay, Hey, I know you're not interested in this now. Do you mind if I throw you on the newsletter? And they're just like, okay. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. That's how you're spinning it up. Just putting yeah, people if you're in there. prospecting, get yeah. the email, ask them. It's okay. Throw them in there. Yeah, that's cool. Yeah. Yeah. Owning newsletter email is super important. Number two, what's the one podcast you recommend the most besides your own? Um, I'd say I got probably Joe Rogan. It's a, it's a probably a tie between Joe Rogan, Tim Ferriss and Tim Dillon. But I guess for the sake of this, because I've given my buddy so much shit, I'll say, I recommend everybody listen to the Pillars of Virtue podcast. And who that's your friend? Yeah, it's my buddy, Matt. He's the co-host on my podcast. <laughs> awesome. Okay. We'll put that in the show notes. Number three, how much time do you spend on your episodes each week? Uh, per episode for this business podcast, it's probably anywhere from 10 to 15 hours. Hmm. Wow. Okay. 
Yeah. Yeah, that makes sense because there's a lot of research, a lot of high production editing and all that, right? Yeah. Yeah, that's actually pretty fast. Uh, number four, what's your favorite podcast tool? Favorite podcast tool? Um, this might sound weird, but the DaVinci, or uh, sorry, the Blackmagic ATEM Mini Switcher. Mm. So yes. this is a, uh, it's a video switcher with four inputs. And if, if you can spend the extra 300 bucks, get the ISO version, because then you can have multiple cameras piping in and you could switch back and forth in real time while it's going and you save yourself a lot of backend edit work. And I, I got to remember to get that YouTube link from you so we can stick it in the show notes. Oh yeah, it's in there. It's in that video. <laughs> yeah, I'm guessing that's probably a critical piece, I imagine. And the last question, what's your primary call to action at the end of each episode? Um, oh, dude, this is a good question because I don't particularly have one. I run like a little advertisement that says, you know, Southwest Florida podcast, if you need this, you know, scan the barcode on the video. Like I put it on YouTube and it has like a little QR code or visit the link in the show notes. So. That's my my own personal advertisement in the company. Oh, you put a QR code in the YouTube video. Yeah, so on Canva, I make the the intro and the outro slide. I've almost made like an ad video slide for hmm. uh, my own company, and it's just a QR code. So in the message, I say, "Hey, Southwest Florida Podcasters, blah 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 blah. You want to learn more? Scan the QR code on your screen or visit the link in bio." Got it. And do you have uh, one channel that you do everything on? One YouTube channel? Uh, I do the the business podcast. It's called SWFL Podcasts. And then China On is uh, on the China On Podcast channel. There you have it, folks. Follow Chris. Go to either the China On Podcast website or the SWFL Podcast website and go check out his YouTube videos where you could scan some QR codes for even more information. <laughs> All right. Thanks, Chris. Appreciate it. Uh, thanks for doing this, man. I appreciate the time. Thanks for listening to Podcast Growth Hacks. If you like the show, please tell a fellow podcaster about it. This really does help keep our show going. And if you have a podcast growth question that you're kind of curious about, well, I'd love to hear from you. You can leave me an audio message by going to podinbox.com slash podcast. Once again, that's podinbox.com slash podcast. I'll include that link in my show notes. I personally respond to all questions I receive there. And once I get your question, I'll find the podcasting expert to answer it on an upcoming episode. We'll play your question and I'll even give you a shout out. Until the next episode, keep creating and keep growing your show.